Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And today we have a special guest star. We have Logan Weeder. If you if you feel free to, to say your name out loud as well with the rest of us. It me. Hello. It him. I am uh, I am Logan Weeder. I play Dungeons and Dragons with these two beautiful, lovely gentlemen. Uh-huh. And I was invited <laughs> to come on and talk about some demons. Yeah, he's in such stellar credentials as our mate Logan. Yeah. What plays D and D with us? Our good bud. No, Logan is what very, very, very capable DM. Very capable DM. Very knowledgeable in D and D lore, and very, very passionate about like monster design and how to use these wonderful, wonderful creatures that we find in this 350-page book. Absolutely, that we got. Yeah, I I was uh, surprised. So once again, we brought a guest star on for the demon stuff, uh, wherein most demon stuff is just it this, but a little bit different. I'm I'm excited to know that you are, you know, at least interested in demons. When we had Gary on once upon a time, he was like, yeah, I'm fine with just the, the mad ape. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry you had to get the mad ape. And then, you know, we made the best All right, we could. The mad ape is cool. Right. Yeah, we we did the best we could with Mad Ape. I'm a little bit more Mad Ape positive than I was uh, once upon a time. I I'm I'm glad that you are particularly invested in this particular kind of demon. I am which big is... and passionate about any and all of demon kind, and this one rocked my socks off. Yeah, I I come I came away from this so like because of the the nature of this season. I more and more have been going into the, each episode of Tooth and Nail being like, all right, what's what thing am I going to have to like pat out or just <laughs> like, like that. bend over backwards? Uh, but, you know, I was surprised to find the that the, the Nalfeshni is pretty interesting, like as demons go. It's got a he lot is... more going on than literally, I think, every other demon we've talked about since like the Baylor, but even more than I think. He's yeah. thick in stature and power. Yeah, and lore and lots of juicy thick lore. Yeah, thick thick lore. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I I kind of like it. I mean, like it has an adventure hook, which is something that we like took for granted so long ago yeah. when we were young and innocent. And now, like now, now I you know just padding through the or looking through the lore for for this fesh guy, this this little feshy fesh. I was really. Really just like happy to see an adventure hook. I was going to say, yeah, one of my things I was going to say is I think this guy's going to scratch a lot of the itches that you guys tend to have with demons. I've seen or I've listened to the rest of the demon episodes in preparation. I've done my homework and a lot of the things you tend to complain about with demons. I'm like this especially feels like it's going to be really nice for this podcast then. Yeah, yeah, a little a, a breath of fresh air. Okay. If you don't, okay, if you don't I'm, mind I'm ahead of you. All right. Well, that was our episode <laughs> of Tooth and Nail. We'll not talk about the only good demon after all then. <laughs> no, like, by and large, I've been enjoying the demons, but, you know, it's only, you know, you, you can only make just reread the demon lore again right. interesting so many times. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to have some some lore stuff that is a little bit more interesting than just it is angry and brutal. Yeah. And which it is, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> but there's yeah. more shade to it, and there are more expressions of it, and it's a little bit more interesting absolutely, than absolutely. a lot of the other demons. Uh, and not just not just in lore, but also in combat as well. There's a little like there's a little trick to its action economy that is kind of cool and interesting, and I don't think we've seen before. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to to get into that when we get into it. Yeah, um, the, the combat for this is definitely very interesting, just because what exists in combat that isn't just this guy. You know? Yeah, 
yeah, kind of, yeah. The lore really like ingrains extra mechanics into this, and we'll get into that later. But. Yeah, absolutely. So, without any further ado, let's uh, let's let's just let let's just go. Let's <laughs> let's just go do the episode. Now that we've got like Logan who knows what he's doing on this episode, maybe I'm gonna like come in. I'm gonna be like the heel for this episode. You're gonna be the I'm heel. I'm gonna be the guy that's like, this monster sucks. You're gonna be the devil's advocate. <laughs> this is the worst one. This is the worst demon in the book. Oh, please do. Nice. So, artistically, what we have here is like just a really interesting creature compared to the other one. So, typically speaking. Yeah, it looks gross. And boy, is that like a relief. Like yeah, right? after demon after demon after demon of just like muscle dudes with claws and fangs and shit. It's nice to have just a gross looking trash person. Yeah. He just super sucks. And I think that's the best thing about him. <laughs> yeah. It's like lumpy. It looks it looks like classically mythological, right? Like it's it's like lumpy and like out of shape. It's not you, very strong. You see, you see classically it's... mythological. I just see man bear pig. <laughs> It is also a little man bear pig. But what I mean by classically mythological is I can see this as like the illustration in an old Bible or something like that. Like yeah. I can see, or you know, perhaps you know, more more truthfully, I can see this in like you know Ron Perlman's Hellboy, Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> Hellboy, where they go through the the ancient scripture and find the old drawing of the Naufeshni, and it's like lumpy and um, like. Baphomet like, like it's. It God, looks... I'd pay so much money to see a Nelfeshni do like Hellboy style comedy. Yeah, it looks to me like this is one of the first monsters that we've seen that looks like it was designed in second edition. Yeah, like, it has kind of that. Gross, it just like... its proportions are wrong. Yeah, it's very wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, its proportions are very bizarre. It's it's so 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 generally speaking, the silhouette that we have here, mm -hmm. the body type for for you Pokemon nerds, including Logan, the idea is that it is uh, humanoid shaped. It has uh, hooves and those kind of you know like fawn like legs. Um, it also has kind of these pudgy little wings sticking out the back. It's got like it almost looks like something like an orangutan with tusks in terms of its, like, when I say humanoid. It's I definitely mean, like, got moobs. Like. Yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like, it, it kind of looks like the schlubby, like, sad uncle of the Bulgara, of the sad gorilla that we had. Yeah, so it long just ago. looks so deflated. And I think that's going to be a very interesting sort of like dichotomy between, or a duality between how it looks and how it behaves. Uh, and I don't mean to get too heavy into that, but one of the big things about the Nofeshini is that they're very big on considering themselves way more refined than all the yeah. other demons out there. And I think this guy looks super fucking gross, and that makes for a really interesting uh, yeah. villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. They're kind of aiming for, like... Uh you know, a bourgeois kind of demon Absolutely. of sorts. This is, guy represents the abuse of power. Yeah, one that is, like, hedonistic and not very combative, and mm -hmm. that's why it's not very muscly, and that's why it, you know, is very, like... Make no mistake, he he can he will smack the shit out of you. He is yeah, statistically muscly as hell, but he looks very... 
Yeah, mechanically, I mean, like, mechanically, you you want your big tough demon fight, and so mechanically right. they are relatively powerful. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, how they look and how they're portrayed in the lore, it's very refreshing to see what could be considered, like, a, you know, like a sneering vizier kind of demon. Like, we've had a couple of demons now that the book tells us that they long game, you know, like the the Glabretsu relies on trickery and deceit in order to tempt mortal and all that kind of thing. But how? It's nice to, yeah, it's nice to have the sniveling kind of sneering socialite kind of aspects mm -hmm. portrayed in a demon just the dinkiest little wings too yeah yeah again it's lumpy the proportions are wrong which is kind of what makes me think of like old biblical drawings like old biblical representations of demons yeah, where right. like the stomachs are distended and gross and like the the hands and legs and wings, all the like appendages are smaller and out of whack. It's very interesting. I definitely, uh, I definitely think uh, it's very interesting or important to point out that within Alfeshni, things like their horns and tusks and stuff. This is a really interesting design for those horns and tusks, but this is far from the only one. Every Nalfeshni is gonna have their their face horns and spikes and whatnot in different places. Uh, they oh, are. Really? Oh yeah, they're all very, very different. And another big thing that I feel like the the fifth edition art is particularly lacking on is that uh, the Nafeshni is always said to be very sort of regal in how it behaves and stuff. And interestingly enough, it's the only demon or one of the only demons that we or you guys have talked about on this podcast that isn't wearing bangles or any sort I was of finery. About to say that. Right? <laughs> that was my next point. I was like, he's got the, the earrings got, like, and the tusks, but he doesn't yeah. have the bangles. Yeah, right. no he bangles doesn't have this. any sort of like pointed finery that would suggest that he has any sort of belief in stature at all. Aside from that perfectly quaffed mohawk <laughs> thing they've got going he's got on. a yeah, super sick mohawk going on. It's very yeah. 90s comic books. <laughs> yeah, like the uh, like the um the Cambians from Once Upon a Time, where there's this like real Very like grunge fighter cool. kind of quality yeah. to a lot of these a lot of these art uh, artistic representations in this yeah. book. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the tusks because they're very interesting. Like it, again, it is eschewing what you would typically expect in terms of physiology in exchange for just a really kind of surrealist looking monster because like the tusks they're like poking out of his cheeks and at, like he's got two sets near his chin it's very mm -hmm. like it's very bizarre it's very interesting and again it feels like mythological and conceptual in a way that is and fucking dangerous yeah do you imagine yeah, him I... smacking you with that chin i don't want to be near that <laughs> oh yeah probably gives good back scratches though it's like the opposite of a minotaur mm-hmm i I happen to look at the the other arts, the previous edition arts, yeah. just to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first I... thing I notice is that the horns and tusks are in the exact same position in fourth and third edition. Yeah. Um, previous to that, I you know, Logan, if you want, you can look up the art. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm. I love right the now. second edition art very much. Yeah. I just kind of. <laughs> it's very like. Uh, it's a, a, a scene picture from an anime. Yeah, it's very like it's very it it feels very Studio Ghibli in a particular yeah, way, where exactly. it's like this green demon. Demon. I looked at the second e picture as well, and I just remember being mesmerized by the nipples on this thing. <laughs> They're just so like long and perky, yeah, and like are. it's very uh, it's very unsettling. It's very unfortunate. Did you look at third edition? I did, but I can't really Very remember. Very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third edition, they look a lot more warlike, a lot more, a lot more badass. 
which is whatever. And I think that's why we don't get too many now fashionies that look, you know, like uh, like like regal in yeah. the way that we would typically think of it is yeah. is because I don't know how much communication goes on between the lore folk and, and the, the artists. artist folk at Wizards of the Coast, but it seems as though and and I'd be willing to bet that this is true for a lot of uh, maybe even the maybe at least the art in fifth edition. I imagine there was a lot of like you know look at previous stuff. It's a big bug demon. Go with that. And so yeah. they never, so they never really like, or in this case, you know, it's a big, you know, ape-like fawn demon with wings. There are previous pictures of previous editions go with something like that. Yeah. And at no, no point was there much like discussion as to the character of the monster. I encourage all you DMs out there to put as many gold chains and, and then just ruined rings as possible on this thing. Oh yeah. Well, Logan, third edition. He has a fucking bangle. Yeah. I feel cheated, first of all. <laughs> and he has a nipple ring. Oh, come on. I feel Bring like we're being bangles. robbed now. We're being robbed. And I, I don't know if this is necessarily, I don't know if there's any truth to this. I haven't done any research on this point, but I would be willing to stake a lot in the fact that there's a lot of um, imagery uh, parallels between this Nalfeshni and like Orcus specifically. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I think that Orcus, as he was maybe climbing up these demon hierarchies, I would like to think he spent a lot of time as an Elfeshni. It right. fits a lot with its lore and design. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I'd buy that. It's pretty good because we've done a fair bit of like speculating on what the transformation progress does to a demon, you know, psychologically and physically. I uh, like the talk- similar voices as you progress mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the idea of like, oh, a demon might enjoy being one kind of demon rather than a, another kind of demon. And I like the idea that like Orcus, you know, once he's ascended into his final form, he was <laughs> like, yeah, this was pretty cool. I liked being just like a really regal, <laughs> lumpy ape. That's the thing about the Nelfeshni is it's kind of in that area where you're starting to get out of the constant demon squabbles and you have a decent amount of power. And the Nelfeshni is one of the first demons in sort of the hierarchy where their lives are comparably a lot easier than they were before. Mm. In my world, at least, I like to think that Nalfeshni's often, like, this is a plateauing point for a lot of demons, because life's just easy as an Nalfeshni. Yeah, and that seems to be mechanically the case as well. This is what feels like, you know, the the creeping into the final tier of demon, yeah. you know, just below Baylor's and, and the like. It's wild to me that the amount of uh, detail given to the lore of this creature and kind of just like the uh, talk about its power and the fact that it can command things. It's weird that the challenge rating is like lower than the Mirrorlith. Like yeah. it's it's statistically a lower tier demon than... I yeah. disagree with that. I mean, like well, I, I, you're it's, right it's in what you're saying. Not. I disagree with how they wrote out the stats for this thing. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. it's, it's interesting that, like, it is seemingly one of the highest tier demons that it could be, but its challenge rating is, like, three or four less than the... I, I can't remember the exact... Yeah, it's a few it's less, less than Yeah, a few less than Snake Lady. Yeah. I'll be perfectly uh, honest. If I'm, a, like a, if I'm a level 15 party of adventurers, I'm sooner fighting a Baylor than an Elfeshni for a lot of reasons, and I think that this thing needs a bit more of a power boost mechanically or at least a little section that talks about like you're gonna have to deal with this thing's army right 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think there's a, a degree of truth to that. I think what makes the Nalfeshni the Nalfeshni is this idea that it is not very competitive, that it doesn't try to test its might in traditional demon ways not and is more happy to like debuff and you know, let other people do the dirty work or like snivel or, you know, just kind of like <laughs> empower. And so to that end, I would like to, you know, if, if I would have liked to have maybe seen some more debuff mechanics within the, the, the within yeah. the Nafeshni. Yeah, the horror Nimbus just isn't enough for me. Yeah, yeah. Something that kind of sells the idea of the Nafeshni as being more a manipulator than a hard fighter. Yeah, and some sort of like torture. I want to see more psychic damage on this thing. I want to see insanity points, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Weaponized. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, this thing, this is worse than any Saw movie you've ever seen is walking into an Afeshni's house, and that should be represented. Mm. Could have utilized something that added points of exhaustion. That would yeah, be great. As yeah. like a kind of a torturous kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I cool monster in concept. I just you know more <laughs> like 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 most things in in this fifth edition block. I would just want more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one last little thing I've been noticing, kind of thumbing through the previous pictures, they all seem to have that little scar on their bellies, uh, the little the little yeah. two gouges. And last time that happened, it was Lord Soth, who is just a full ass character in D anD. d But I oh I, shit, maybe you're right. I don't <laughs> think I don't think this Nalfeshni is like this particular Nalfeshni is an important special Nalfeshni. I think I'm imagining maybe the artist just went back, saw like a previous Nalfeshni, and was like, oh, this is fine. We'll just do this one. But it's you know, gross. Retexture. You know, it works. Yeah, give me like one second because I uh, I'm gonna find this out the same way I found out about Lord Saw. <laughs> Well, I've already I've already looked into the Forgotten Realms wiki, uh -huh. and I didn't seem to see I didn't notice any notable Nalfeshnis. There's a whole section of them. Uh, I guess I guess theoretically this could just be Nalfeshni, the strongest Nalfeshni for which the race was named. Theoretically, I guess this could just be that one. Yeah, yeah that was a thing. I, you know, I, I, that was a that was a note that I sort of discarded. But Nalfeshni used to be the name of an individual, not a species, and then it just became the title of this. You know type of demon right like mandalorians star wars nerds aha <laughs> uh -huh. no uh yeah these guys are very gross and they're brilliant which is a real whole i mean that's just the whole thing about them i wish i wish they'd go more into the lore about how they are sort of like the ones who judge the souls of the abyss because that's supposed to be a big thing with them that we don't get mm. too much of it feels like sort of an afterthought as something that's sort of just meant to feed into their huge sense of pride and entitlement to, you know, fuck with everything else in the world. Yeah, yeah. I imagine 5th edition, you know, they only had so much space, for starters. But but more importantly, like, you know, I imagine objective number one for the Monster Manual vis-a-vis -vis demons was to really sell what a demon means cosmologically compared to, say, a devil. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they probably didn't want to get too much into the intrigue parts of the abyss. Yeah. Precisely because, you know, then then it, you know, starts to blur the line between the, the chaotic demons and their machinations and the more lawful devils and, you know, their specifically like rigid yeah. hierarchy that they have. Yeah. They definitely they they did really good as far as like what makes a demon into this Nalfeshni. I definitely this is the this is the demon I would want to throw out my players if I wanted to really let them know how awful demons are capable of being behaviorally 
if I wanted no, to let right. them know just how cruel and evil something like this could really be, if they're just they've maybe been blowing through, you know, big bad ape or something like that, and it wasn't a huge deal. This is the monster that goes, oh wait, you know, this might spell the undoing of everything we know. Right? Yeah. And let's let's talk about why that is. Let's talk about the lore of this guy. Oh boy. So so comparatively to the other demons, we get quite a bit more. Uh, a whopping three paragraphs as opposed to like <laughs> one and a half. Uh, and in this case, you know, we get we get some stuff about what the Nafeshni physically is, as is so often the case. We also get some little lore tidbits uh, like the following. Nafeshnis, they are devastating in combat, the book tells us, using their wings to soar above the front ranks and reach vulnerable adversaries that can be dispatched with little effort. Again, kind of feeding back into that, uh, the idea that now Feshnis do not test their might in the pick typical sense. Yeah, instead going for like, you know, picking on little guys to up their, their levels, so to speak. Mm -hmm. From the thick of battle, they telepathically bellow commands to lesser demons, even as they inspire a sense of dread that forces their foes to scatter and run. So again, this is the, the kind of creature that will try to use debuff tactics to shock and awe enemies while trying to maintain some sense of, like, morale for their own forces. And I think that might have been a thing that we're kind of missing from the stat block proper, is maybe like a like a Paladin-esque or like a Ghast's kind of buff. Yeah, I like the idea of, of like, an aura yeah. that doesn't necessarily inspire your allies, but more just scares them into trying harder. Because yeah, that's a whole like thing. That. Like, everyone who works for a Nalfeshni hates it, because the Nalfeshni super gets off on everything else in the world hating it so much it loves hmm. it, it, it thrives on all the shade uh and that would definitely be something fun to like mechanically turn into a battle function yeah yeah i i'm kind of, i feel like i'm missing it i i miss it it is missing from me furthermore now fashionies they they the book tells us that they feed on hatred and despair demon dot text but they, and this is specifically, like, physiologically true, they crave humanoid flesh above all else. Mm -hmm. And this becomes the catalyst by which Nalfeshnis become the, the bad, bad dudes. Mm -hmm. The idea is that they often keep, like, full, quote-unquote, pantries full of people that they've abducted from the material plane or perhaps various wanderers from, you know, within, within the abyss, within their own plane. Uh, and consequently, you know, they, they, the book tells us they eat these creatures alive during these elaborate feasts, these kind of mockeries feasts. of, of high life, <laughs> wherein they, they like kind of dress themselves up. They, they utilize, like they, they grab cutlery stained mm -hmm. and rusted, though it may be, as the book tells us, they like, will use forks and spoons to, you know, eat these people alive, alive. in this semblance <laughs> of like a banquet, which is probably the most interesting single bit of lore we've got from a demon like an individual demon oh yeah it's great and on top of that i mean i don't know if it says it specifically in the the monster manual but there are a lot of other sources that say that not only is all that true but what he's eating them on is a bolted down plate of hot iron Right. So even when they're oh, not being ripped apart, they're still in so much pain. Yeah. And that's a big thing with the Nalfeshni is that they claim that they can taste agony and they spice the hell out of all their meals with it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. You grab the switch up the, the spice rack, mm -hmm. grab a little bit of agony, oh, dash that. Yeah, agony and pain. Mm -hmm. Just, Get rid of yeah, the oregano. Out, I need a bit more. Brings out the, the organs. Yeah, so that is quite interesting, isn't it? Like, that is 
uh, a semblance of character that we don't often get for any of these these demons that we have. It's a ceremony, which is fun in D&D. There aren't enough ceremonies that I feel are really spelled out. Yeah, especially for demons, we don't really get rituals or anything that would kind of hint at a larger culture for the most part, aside from like, this is our horde. I am the commander of the horde. There's not not a whole lot of room for demon culture. These guys drip with culture. I would love to know, like, I would love to see like one of like a like a B side like paragraph in universe, like one of those little yeah, like we got with a Marilith. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to see one of those that is like an actual like an acting out of what one of these dinners sounds like, mm-hmm. like what they think. No, 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 not the not like the squishy bits. Yeah, like what these <laughs> the sounds what from they another room. Think, what yeah. they think that high-class society sounds like uh, do they have conversations right. are they like you should have seen the look on his face as they're digging into like yeah. somebody with a farmer steve just with a, just a crappy <laughs> yeah they're digging into life. farmer steve thank you exactly yeah death of farmer steve <laughs> i know i know I, my tooth and nail lore <laughs> the deep lore ah yes yeah it's interesting it's interesting there there isn't a whole lot of rituals there's specifically not a whole lot of demon rituals uh, and it's nice to see, like, and this does double duty to my mind, this lore bit, in that, A, we get an immediate adventure hook, which we haven't had in months and months, of, like, this is, you know, your party or somebody that is important to the party, whether it's an NPC or somebody they know or whatever, has been captured. You gotta go save them. So there's your adventure hook. And then you also get dungeon ecology, right? You get dungeon detailing, like, they have banquets they have a feast room they have a pantry there is like you know they have a home and they have they have an army with them they are never alone and these guys aren't just keeping like closets and stuff on them they glebrezus are in the service of this thing all the time and they're all angry because they hate their boss so if the party's coming into this they better be ready like this is a very high level dungeon that i am super all about yeah, and it's a dungeon in every sense of the word with yeah. politics and ecology to it and like detailing to it, which is something that we've been guessing at kind of heretofore. We haven't really had the the details themselves to back them up. We had like the labyrinth or like yeah. just like a room for the Garistro to go nuts in. Yeah, like, like Garistro lame, f- lame. or like Bulgara Forest. Yeah, where we're just Bulgara like thinking. Forest full of dinosaurs or something. Yeah, stuff that we've <laughs> either had to extrapolate from other books or just make up based on what they are, and Absolutely. it's nice to finally have some real-ass lore. I yeah. think that their palace makes a really good place to, like, finally deal with this Nalfeshni. I think that, like, this is a great enemy to throw in as a recurring character. With these yeah. guys, because if we, the thing about the larders that they build up with all these bodies and living or dead is it's also demonic power. When an Alfeshni dies out of the abyss, it's going right back to that place. And if it's been demoted in form at all, it just eats the shit out of whatever it's got stocked up and it is good to go again. This is a really good character to just constantly throw at your party to make them hate it so much. This is a great monster to hate. Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of a Nalfeshni that is just, like, terrified an army into continuously bringing its, you know, even if it is slain in the material realm, like, <laughs> that it has buddies that will specifically find, you know, the mains version of this Nalfeshni, take it, 
bring it back to the palace, give it a whole bunch of dudes to eat until it grows up big and strong and back to enough Eshni. <laughs> and then it's, you know, business as usual, back to the status quo. That's kind of interesting and cool. It is. It's fun. It's, uh, you better not ever summon this thing. Because that's, like, one of the only other ways you could fight this thing, <laughs> is if you conjure it out of its palace. And it is going to yeah. hate you if you do that. This yeah. thing's all about its creature comforts and robbing it of it on top of leaving its palace unattended where all of its employees that super hate it are probably just tearing the place apart right now and ruining everything that the Nufeshni's ever done. Like, if you really want to make an enemy, like, have your party accidentally summon this guy. That would be quite a bit of fun. You could also, like, blackmail it to some degree as well, right? If this, if this is the demon that is so you know, focused on eating and hedonism and that kind of thing. And you just kind of put it in a hole or just like leave it bound in the middle of the floor. Oh God. You could like, I mean like, yes, it would hate you and all these things, but this could be, this could turn into kind of an interesting interrogation where like the <laughs> barbarian is just like, you know, eating a chicken leg really slowly in front of it. Like, <laughs> I'll give you this if you tell me where the abyss is, that kind of thing. He just points down. Yeah. What well, kind of like, blew my mind when i was looking at the stat block of this monster if you had been like if you just showed me the picture and maybe even just the lore and been like what's the intelligence score of this monster i they're brilliant I would not have said as high as it is yeah i yeah. i cannot believe how smart they are that's how yeah. they stay in power they have to like tactic their way in game of thrones their way around the abyss all the time yeah, I'm, just so, hates I'm it. so used to like everything that's like, oh, it's bloodthirsty. It's lo it loves to torture things. Having like a like a ten, maybe a twelve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's interesting. I think you know. I think the to my mind, the division is between like lower tier demons and upper tier demons, and mm -hmm. everything that is below the threshold is like shitty. <laughs> shitty. And everything job. that is above the threshold <laughs> there is are a few mid tier demons. Like, uh, yeah, we've had we've had like what like herzu nope herzu still have good stats we've had like and are super dumb though gristros <laughs> are pretty fine Glabretsu's. like shadow they're, they're demons are like a mid-level like, demon yeah. i guess but like uh, we haven't they yeah, kind of yeah. don't we haven't count got there yet <laughs> yeah but yeah it's it's crazy and the biggest thing about these guys is how damn big they are also looking at that design one thing it doesn't immediately say these things are 20 feet tall yeah these things yeah. are like 8,000 pounds. These guys are massive. When you think of like a really smart demon that is flying above and commanding armies, I, I think of a very little guy who maybe is like portly and high con and all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, you know, a couple well-placed guiding bolts are going to get smack this thing out of the air. This guy is huge. He's so big. Yeah. And I think that's part of why the Nalfeshni is so capable of taking over hordes is that it is relying mostly on in intimidation and false machismo of sorts. Yeah. It's imposing. I remember reading, uh, I think in the Forgotten Realms wiki or something like that, uh, that the, the Nalfeshni, you know, effectively talks a big game, but once it is, you know, once it is drawn down to just itself and an enemy that it cannot defeat, it very quickly turns into a sniveling, sycophantic yeah. wretch. and that's a very interesting theme that I see a lot in more powerful demons, because when you go out to, like, Avernus or the Prime Materia Plane to send the horde upon things, you don't need to be worried about dying because it doesn't mean anything. When it comes down to actually putting a demon, like a very powerful demon, up against the wall, even up to demon lords, they display a lot of cowardly behaviors when it comes down to it. 
Yeah, yeah, that that is true. I it's kind of a theme we've seen every now and again. Like I remember talking about this to some extent with beholders as well, as this monster that is very powerful, and then once you back it into a corner, it doesn't really have much going for it. Right. Uh, and where that was more true with beholders than true of beholder lore, uh, I I like seeing this theme recur with the the Nalfeshni. I think it's important, especially for a demon that really is supposed to represent the disgusting, like, abuse of power that it does. If, yeah. it, if it was brave and, like, could front line <laughs> and go, like, all right, here, I'm just going to take care of all of this for my horde, you know, it wouldn't be as cool. It wouldn't be as compelling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely trafficking in that kind of false power, that kind of, you know, subjugative power. Right. That is not, you know, not born of, like, actual strength, but rather, like, manipulation and gaslighting and being a shithead <laughs> i do kind of wish that this monster had like a lower strength and a higher charisma to like kind of it's like that it wasn't as strong but it yeah. was like more talky yeah i'd be interested to see a variant that does something like that yeah i would have liked yeah i think i would have liked some maybe like an expanded spell list of various debuffs yeah why uh, isn't this well. thing a spellcaster I don't know. It's very <laughs> weird. It feels like it ought to be. Yeah, we have that. Uh, With that intelligence like score, that like, why is it not doing, like, necromantic magics and stuff ray like that? Ray of sickness and, yeah. like, yeah. Ray, all that stuff. Yeah. Crown yeah, of madness I'm... and just oh, disgusto yeah, being. Sure. Yeah, which is particularly strange because it's, you know, closest psychological cousin to me would be the Glabretsu, yeah. who is, like, the trickster and the deceiver and the tempter, who can cast spells and can do, you know, some degree of magical faffery it is very strange to see that the nafeshni is incapable of that sort of thing and i this kind of goes back to the idea at when when things start getting higher and higher in the stat blocks with dungeons and dragons especially in fifth edition they're much more meant to be templates than actual just all right throw this at your party right. um they, they the, expect... the angels was a big thing with that you know like yeah. more yeah Angels and, and Death Knights most recently, I think the idea that you're getting at is that what Wizards of the Coast is providing is a uh, a villain template, right? They're expecting you to give the Nalfeshni a name and then, you know, give the Nalfeshni a name and give them a, a specific palace and traits and flaws and whatnot and then send them on the way. Which is pretty much exactly what I said, like what we had to do with the last monster to yeah. make it interesting is like oh well maybe make an npc and give it like the pride problem like yeah. sword fighter pride yeah yeah it's yeah it's for sure a thing that does pop up although i guess it's only in like the semi-humanoid higher level things yeah whatever fortunately this time it's there's much more interesting template for us right like yeah. i like the idea of false noble demon quite a bit it's fun it's it's a good it's a good character for like a book you know, and yeah, if you're trying well, to yeah, do your D&D game that, you know, like a really good story, this is awesome. Yeah, it's a solid trope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether or not the trope is overused, the idea of the, you know, hedonistic, lascivious, kind of noble character that is actually not at all, you know, it's Job of the Hut. This is Job of the Hut. It's Job of the Hut exactly. combined with Jigsaw, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the idea. Uh, I, I seem to, okay, I seem to remember Job of the Hut. Having a lot of death traps in his Yeah, thing. I feel like you saying mixed with Jigsaw is just adding gore into what Jabba the Hutt already did. Oh, absolutely. So. <laughs> that, I mean, 
when you think of the Nalfeshni, gore is a huge part of that. Well, yeah, but now we're getting into semantics about what they can and cannot show in Star Wars. So <laughs> I'm going to edit this shit out anyway because yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be caught on the internet making a Star Wars argument. I don't want to be that guy. If you don't have any more lore thoughts, we can move on to the mechanical stuff. Uh, I mean, the only other thing that I think I was going to kind of talk about was about sort of the mentality of categorizing everything that lives or unlives into three different categories. You either eat it, you enslave it, or if it's like super more powerful than Alfeshni, and I'm talking like Baylor or Stronger, you serve it until the exact second it can pull the rug out from under its master and fuck its day up. It's I, I cannot emphasize enough how much this thing is is a schemer and i would love to think that like if you're running a campaign maybe that has a section of it in the abyss having an alfeshni that uses this mentality to sort of lure you into a sense of not necessarily security but confidence that you know you have a degree of authority or control over this thing until the moment it goes no you don't yeah yeah that's quite cool i do like the idea of of them applying this philosophy of theirs to the the player party of you know do i eat it do i use it to get tougher or do i serve it because they're the most sophisticated demon in the world because they're the nalfeshni of course that's what makes sense to them uh i would i i'd argue that nalfeshnis are have a bigger sort of pride complex than like half of dragon kind they're super (laughs) self-centered more so than even like demogorgon where you know mindless monkey versus this yeah, yeah, and that's always been kind of cool of demons, this solipsism, because, you know, why why bother with anything else when I'm the only thing I know exists? Yeah. <laughs> I am I am demon. I am technically legion, depending on what kind of lore you adhere to. But... Yeah. So mechanically, the Nalfeshni is a large fiend, demon, chaotic, even a lie, because it's a demon. Why is it large? It's 20 I, feet tall. That's it. That's a huge monster in my book. Fifth edition changed the size of a lot of monsters. The Nalfeshni is apparently only 18 feet tall now. That's, that's what it is. That's what we have to do now. I think it's, you know... But how big is the the Baylor as a size category huger, I'm guessing? Like, if the Baylor is any smaller than huge, I'm rioting. Well, Baylor is huge. huge. Uh, Everything with, else is large. I think the idea is that yeah, they didn't wanna they they didn't wanna bust out the the token that the, big. The thirty two foot. Yeah, they didn't yeah. wanna bust out the three by three token or whatever it is <laughs> that early in the game. God, and the instead, three by three you know. token rocks. That's such a good moment <laughs> in games when you go, yeah. oh, that's big. Yeah, and I think they're specifically saving it for like you know level fifteen and higher encounters which which this is not one this is a cr13 now fashion so we're getting kind of into the near the, the end of the game the like out of the middle phase and into the end game stuff uh the for for a cr13 creature it has a an average ac of 18 it's got technically below average hp of 184 it's got a slow tiny little speed of 20 feet and then a comfortably slow fly speed of 30 feet as well usually when we see flying creatures they're moving at about they're flying at about 50 or 60 feet i mean look at his wings it's a miracle he can make 30 (laughs) 
it's got stumpy little wings and yeah it can only push 30 as a result <laughs> i honestly when i was scrolling like to look what the speed was i thought it was gonna say like 10 feet yeah i thought it was just gonna be like a little like yeah God, I I love that. please just buff up its hit points give it some wizard spells <laughs> and then give it a 10 foot fly speed that's the best monster <laughs> Yeah, I uh, when I first saw it too, I was expecting like five or ten feet, which I thought would have been a cute joke. But <laughs> I mean, technically, it is still a small fly speed. Yeah. It's just the joke doesn't read that well. Yeah. In terms of its attributes, they are you know approaching OC do not steal. Uh, most of them are quite high, with strength and constitution and intelligence being pretty pretty high, uh, nineteen and above. The dexterity is regular at a 10 wisdom is about regular charisma is a bit above average um yeah i was it's strange to see the the strength being so so terribly high but you know they gotta they gotta pad that damage somehow yeah they still gotta be big bad demons yeah i, uh, I do like i do like that they're able to design this creature so that even after you mow through its horde that it no doubtedly has with it when you fight it it's, you're still not guaranteed to get this thing done in the next two rounds. It can still probably, yeah. it could probably down one or two of your squishier fellers. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's built explicitly to do that, but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into its actions. Um, in terms of its, like, general stuff, it gets saving throw bonuses to constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. This, you know, as as we talk about every single time, this conflated with the magic resistance will mean that for the most part the debuffers will be pretty useless um because its deck score is kind of bad this is one of the few demons it feels like the blast casters kind of have a chance right right like because it's yeah because you're still only dealing with like resistance yeah and you're at still level dealing 13, with resistance and the maybe advantage. you have a way to deal with that but yeah, yeah. i just it thought of something hmm. this thing has a dex of 10 Yep. Why yeah. is its armor class 18? How thick is this skin? Like, <laughs> I feel like that's again. something you should flavor out. Like a really like callous, corpulent, like almost like layers and layers of dead carapacey skin. That's uh, that's immediately giving me a super cool demon image. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And if you can make that work, that's totally fine. As we often find in the show, natural armor is just like the it's got to be this because it's got to be this mechanically. Yeah. yeah. Um. They, usually, they really like, like kind, interestingly, I found this to be true. When it is kind of a humanoid creature that has armor, the AC checks out, right? The decks and the armor will match oh, yeah. to, right. to create the appropriate AC. When it's just, like, monsters, they, they just kind of yeah. put a number there like a and say it's natural armor. And it's like, natural armor 24, and you're like, why? What? Yeah, <laughs> it, it tends to be with, like, earlier, like, like smaller level uh, monsters, like, natural armor is, like, reliably 13 or something like that but once you and then you add decks but once you start getting higher and higher up i think it's really really cool to think about like what that in like bullshit number would end up meaning in the game and, yeah yeah meaning uh narratively so in addition to those saving throw bonuses, it has the common damage resistances that you'd expect from a demon. It's got the resistances to cold fire and lightning damage, as well as the physical damage from non-magical weapons. And then it also has the, say it with me now, immunity poison. to poison and, and the poisoned, poisoned condition. condition. I think that that, I know you guys talk about that a lot on this podcast. I think the only way that makes sense 
is just the explanation that demons are not biological beings. Therefore, poison can't really disrupt their internal existence. Poison's useless in 5th edition. If you are a poison-based <laughs> fighter, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, you better be playing an early game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is mostly true. We're facing only humans, and yeah. none of them can be monks. Like, yeah. it, it's got to be like fight the orcs. That that's your game. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I whatever. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I'm I like the idea of like you know material poisons would not affect some creature of this strange and aberrant origin. I would definitely love to put in like you know in the same way that certain things like uh, like fire has its variants that, you know, maybe supersede resistances, like a magical mm. sort of abyssal poison that is yeah. that maybe someone that like your alchemist can achieve at a certain level that can actually start doing some real damage to these demons. Yeah. In addition to the immunities and the resistances, it also has the true sight out to 120 feet, which we sometimes see with these later tier demons. Again, I stand by my theory that like demons are just so magically opposed that they are not even affected by illusions at a certain level. They're barely yeah. physical beings. It's like magical resistance for the eyes. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and then it has a fine, technically above average passive perception of 11. Fine. Uh, it has the abyssal that you'd expect. It has the telepathy out to 120 feet that you'd expect. Yep. Uh, yes. And, and these are, you know, as we mentioned, this is what allows it to bellow into the minds of its hordes. So this is what makes it an effective commander, as we've mentioned with a couple of the more commander-like demons that we've had so far. Yeah. It's got to be really loud in everyone's heads. Yeah, there's a screamer. <laughs> what were you going to say, Logan? Oh, no, I just, I just said, what do you think this thing's army looks like? I'm very interested in kind of thinking about what an Elfeshni would keep in its horde. Because uh, this is a very smart thing. It's probably going to organize it in some way. It's not just going to be like, throw all the demons here and then put it out. Like, maybe layering, you know, throw out the the, the 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 big monkey, you know, at first, and then have these things in the back sort of casting maybe debuffs or illusion magics or something like that. I, this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I imagine it would be kind of, it would be interesting and tactical. I'm, you know, I'm foreseeing like Kazmi's overlooking the thing. And this is, you know, this this could be your big Avengers assemble moment right. for this Nalfeshni dungeon where all of the demons fulfill their certain ecological niches where like the Kazmi's are the guards folk kind of looking over. The dretches are there as like shock troopers. They have like some mains just sitting around for snack time <laughs> and on and on. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I read this in a in a dragon magazine or something, but it was some sort of I, I do remember it being quite official. Uh, but it was talking about how to potentially play this thing in a battle context, and it was all about you know directing your minions to sandwich themselves in between like the healer and everyone else, because these nefeshians are smart and they know from experience that you yeah. know keeping the party together is going to suck. So they're really big on the separation tactics. And yeah, they can do that because yeah, they have a bird's eye view of the entire battlefield. Yeah, yeah, and that's always a fun scheme to pull in the middle of a fight. And that could very easily be true in this kind of encounter as well. Um, yeah. In terms of its traits, it's got magic resistance, gives it advantage on spells and spell effects. Seen it a thousand times. Strangely, that's the only trait it has, I feel like, you know, for a creature with as much lore detailing as this one seems to get it would be nice to have like another flavor trait or something or as i mentioned i would like some more spells thrown on it or whatever yeah fine 
Um, Make it heal by eating flesh. I yeah. want something. <laughs> yeah, I want to give this thing like an aura where anything that any thing creature that is hostile to it within this aura gives it like a base bonus to maybe like hit just hit points or something like that, like temp HP. Just the fact that it super gets off on being the most hated thing in the room. I want a mechanical representation of that. <laughs> That would be kind of cool. It's yeah. stronger the more enemies are around it. Yeah, and yeah. like depending on how you, your DM rules that, that could mean the things that work for it. You mm -hmm. know? No, yeah, that would be interesting. That would that would synergize with the teleport in a very interesting way, where the oh, Nelfeshni yeah. would have this option to teleport into the middle of the party in order to receive this boost. That, mm -hmm. That's pretty that's cool. That's real good. I do love that very much, actually. <laughs> I want to put that on literally any monster I'm thinking, no, man. All right, well, you can you on, have that one for yeah, free. Yeah, put that in yeah. my head yeah. notes. <laughs> if only there was some way we could have an archive of this, yeah. of this idea. Please hire me. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the actions that it gets, it gets a very interesting, uh, technically four-part multi-attack where it uses its special move uh, and then makes three physical attacks, and we'll just do the physical attack to get them out of the way real quick. Uh, the two physical attacks it gets are its bite, uh, and then it two claw attacks per per round. And the bite is it, they the, both the physical attacks they have a pretty accurate plus ten to hit, uh, and as a trade off they do a little bit less damage for a creature of that CR. You think where the, bite the bite sucks more because of its chin teeth? Uh, probably that's <laughs> why it does more damage. I'm guessing, yeah. Um, the bite does 32 5d10 plus 5 piercing damage because of the chin teeth. Uh, and then the claws, uh, they have a reach, a 10-foot reach, because this is a large monster. They do 15 3d6 plus 5 slashing damage each. It's fine. All combined, it ends up being, you know, like 60, some 62 damage. That, that's a uh, wizard killer. A, like, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, level approximately 13. at level 13, the wizard probably has a little bit. Maybe yeah, would about, have a little bit more than that on... Maybe. Maybe well, with a bit of chip damage on, on, on it first average, from the horde. that's probably about it. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could take a wizard down approximately, and I think that's where they want it to be, you know, maybe enough to kill the wizard in one round, yeah. which is where, like, I was coming from in terms of the encounter design stuff, which we'll get to in a second. Um, the more interesting thing is the horror nimbus that it has the horror nimbus it's a real cool name yeah it sounds like a like a yu yu Hakusho special move <laughs> um what happens is and i wish like i wish the lore had contextualized this in a better way because right? the lore says it uses its aura of fear to confound and terrify its enemies right well it's supposed to be like blinking what? lights and stuff yeah like... what actually happens is it just raves yeah. <laughs> that's funny because like in my head when i thought of nimbus all i could think of was the cloud from yeah. dragon ball yeah so i was like is this another fart thing yeah <laughs> that like also rave core music it's just yeah <laughs> i i'm i would take all of these things what we get what the book tells us is it is a scintillating multicolored light the the Nalfeshni raves in order to make <laughs> things terrified around it which is weird and i don't know how i would flavor that as a dm oh. to make it scary i need i need whatever. fan art of like a nightcore song with Nalfeshni's in the center of it it's like this is Halloween, but nightcore, and I can't think of a way to make it scary. But for sure, it's just like when you do it. I don't it care. I want DM, it. You have to put on like spooky, scary skeletons remix or whatever. Like it's so silly. <laughs> so, so what it does is each creature within 15 feet of the Nalfeshni that can see it, or rather the light that it is producing, must succeed on a DC 15 Wisdom save, which is a little bit below average for the CR. Uh, a DC 15 wisdom save or be frightened for one minute and the creature in question repeats the save at the end of each of their turns 
And if they make the save, the, the effect is done, and they are immune to this effect for the next 24 hours. You know what makes this entire skill unnecessary? Just giving it, like, a cause fear spell. Yeah. It's, it's like... <sighs> I yeah, I think, well, the, the thing that makes this special is that as part of the multi-attack, the Nalfeshni gets to do this horror nimbus and then make three make three attacks in addition to that. Yeah. And so I imagine that's what they were going for. Is, it is on a recharge too, which is nice. It is on a recharge, recharge five to six, which is, you know, more common than the average recharge approximately. Um, I think what they were going for is this idea that the, the Nalfeshni, you know, is built to lay on this horror debuff repeatedly throughout the beginning of the fight and use that to, you know, sow confusion with the the other thing that the Nalfeshni can do, which is teleport. Yeah. Where, like, like Baylor's uh, and like some other demons that we've seen that I can't remember right now, the Nalfeshni can teleport 120 feet to wherever it can see. And you know it's teleporting 120 feet straight into the air. <laughs> well, like, well. why would you do anything else? You go in there, you unload your stuff, you take a round of attacks, which probably won't kill you at full health, and then you teleport 120 feet into the air and let the rest of your demons deal with them. Well, because well, you so, can't quite do that. So, so let me pause it. So, to, these are the, these are the actions that Nalfeshni can do. Let me pause it. What I was considering as the ideal encounter for Nalfeshni. So. During, you know, during the, the, the phase one of this fight where it's you, the Nalfeshni, and we can say, you know, X amount of extra demons adds that are in the middle of this fight serving the Nalfeshni, uh, the, the, the Nalfeshni is staying behind, like, to my mind, staying behind the entire fight and just, like, commanding them, and maybe you can give the other demons a bonus as part of being part of this greater horde or something like that. Yeah. Once the adds are defeated and it's just the players and the Nalfeshni, I'm imagining this as, uh, and I've mentioned this a few times now. I think this might end up being the into the like into the breach fight with a little bit extra. Where <laughs> to my mind, what happens is, you know, the the paladin, the rogue, and the fighter all swarm around the the Nalfeshni. It uses uh, horror nimbus to slap on this 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 fear. Does its best, either breaks away with the the flight or whatever. And then next turn over, teleports straight to the caster, and now the dramatic tension is, oh fuck, three of us cannot move towards this Nalfeshni, and we need to go save the wizard. That's what way are we gonna do? scarier than what Absolutely. I said. Oh my god. Yeah. That's and that's exactly why I it, yeah. that's why I think that's why the Nalfeshni does about a wizard's hit bar of damage, is because you want that <laughs> sense of like Oh fuck! It's teleported straight to the the one thing that can't handle it, and three or like two or three of us are too afraid to yeah, do anything. Peter about Paladin's it. terrified. That's yeah, it's on you, Ranger, to fix this somehow. Good luck. <laughs> and then that becomes the like oh shit moment of this combat. That's that sounds like a really cool thing to like succeed at. The amount of times and the amount of creatures that we have made a wizard's health bar a timer for yeah. an encounter is like, I feel like it's too high. I'm well, too, like, I'm afraid to be a wizard ever again after listening to your podcast. You know, I think that's kind of what D&D like on a macro structural <laughs> level is built to be as a war game. It is, we have this kind of player character that is incredibly weak, but has a lot of versatility compared with these frontline characters that are quite a bit tougher, but can do a lot less stuff. And the idea is that, you know, in D&D, you want to deprive the other side of turns. I think to my mind is once you get to higher level, like to satisfy the war game enthusiasts, high level D&D play must be like, all of the monsters are gonna try to, you know, play football where the football <laughs> is a sword and the end goal is the wizard. 
and yeah. the entire frontliners are going to try to stop the dragon or the goblin chief or the whatever from murdering the wizard. Yeah, it's like every true. monster is balanced in such a way where it's like, can it kill the wizard in one, maybe two turns, and can it last three rounds in the ring with Macho Man Randy Paladin? That's about, <laughs> That seems to be about right. And, I, and I, the weird like disparity is, you know, in the early game with bugbears and shit, it's scary because you don't want to lose your level one wizard for a stupid reason. Yeah. But when you hit like, you know, level 10 to level 20, and you know the players are big boys now they can handle however it is whatever it is you throw at them i feel like this becomes more and more the key to a successful encounter is allowing your enemies to go for the weaker party members yeah i mean you better you better hope that uh you're, the things you're throwing at those characters are super broken as far as resisting magic the way that most yeah. demons tend to be yeah. Uh, and you better hope that your wizard uh, can deal a super high amount of damage because uh, I, I don't I don't mean to lift the veil too much, but we do have a, a very wizard adjacent character in the game I'm running <laughs> right now. Hey, uh, look. <laughs> that is going to that obliterates any and all things before they even get a chance to look at them. Hold uh, on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there are a lot of extraneous details that could make this better or worse right and so yeah. we've often talked about like you know if you're if you're knocking the wizard out every session maybe don't knock out the wizard yeah. so much <laughs> you as the dm you get to make the decisions that are maybe not the the best tactical decisions yeah. so obviously you know do without what you will if the wizard is not capable of escaping maybe go for the ranger or something else but i think that's the general idea is that the nalfeshni uses this fear to lock down the frontliners who have charged it in order to teleport over to the weaker party members as kind of a uh, as kind of a spook, right? It's a fun as little kind of bait a and switch, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the problem with gimmick fights like this, however, and we've talked about this with cloakers to some extent, and you know banshees and a whole bunch of other things. Once everybody in the team is immune to the special thing that this monster can do, the battle is effectively over, right? It ceases to become interesting. Yeah. So that's the that's the problem with this gimmick is that once, or at least the problem mechanically with this monster is that it doesn't have much else to bring to the table once everybody's immune to the horror nimbus. I think that's a big part of like why they go into like what an Elfeshni's house is like, because what it maybe is a less exciting fight on the open field of war is immediately really interesting in a close quarters death mansion where there are probably like traps everywhere and layer actions and things that Elfeshni can be actively doing other than just what's on its stat block while yeah. the party has to deal with Mr. Big Angry Ape and Glabrezu. Yeah, I think that's the case. And I think that is the kind of phase tipping point or like the mechanical tipping point between the Nalfeshni, you know, being way into fighting and then the Nalfeshni realizing they're over their head and are now going to book it, however that may be, right? So like as soon as the players are all immune to this horror nimbus and the Nalfeshni can basically do nothing else but stand there and whap at the players. Maybe at that point you as the DM realize, or you as the DM choose to have the Nalfeshni realize they're over their head and bails and then the fight is over. Or maybe, you know, you could have them take a hostage because they're the creative types. Maybe they just take the wizard. Maybe they just, you know. That's super on, like, like that tracks for an Nalfeshni because they exactly. want their targets alive so they can, they can taste better. Eater, yeah. So, so yeah, so those are some things you could do to keep the encounter spicy without it still being a battle battle uh, once the once the mechanical stuff is over and done with. 
I was going to say something about how there is a functional way to say that their minions help them do that, but I forgot that that was the 3.5 stat block for the Barlgura that I looked at, uh, where they have the abduction thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Ah, ah. Do you know about that, Logan? Just the, uh, I think I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm ability. as knowledgeable on 3.5 as most of the rest of the Dungeons & Dragons world is. I am well, a... it's an ability I think the Nilfeshni should have, just judging by its uh, penchant for abductions. It basically lets it use its teleport ability with an unwilling passenger. Is it like what kind? Of, is that a save or no? <laughs> oh sure my isn't. god! Yeah. Oh my god! Isn't like okay, yeah. but like even like Dimension Door doesn't an unwilling creature yeah. have to make like a charisma save? Or something? I don't think I don't you know. can do it with an unwilling creature with yeah. Dimension Door. It, 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 there's people who homebrew that you can, but no, it's it has to be willing. Yeah. Which you know is in some way the way that fifth edition is where things have been trimmed down a little bit for balance's sake yeah because i can imagine this being terribly frustrating and bad <laughs> just uh, getting abducted yeah just getting like, stolen well. by that ape <laughs> uh, so yeah. good but yeah uh those that them, them's my encounter ideas them's my battle ideas them's my what to do with the the now fashion-y ideas i uh, yeah i think they're really only like three ways you could fight an Alfeshni, which is, you know, out in the open, in its gross home, uh, or conjuring it, which is another thing that they've gone out of their way to specify how much they hate, you know, yeah. being conjured. Yeah. And if maybe, maybe if you aren't necessarily a super higher level party, but this is a monster that intrigues you as a DM and you think it'd be good for your party, if you maybe just isolate it like that and have it uh, just be a, maybe less of a less of a tactical fight and more of an introductory thing and then you can in introduce it in power not by making it more powerful but you know giving it friends down the line yeah yeah and that can be expressly true if you decide to throw a character onto the nafeshni as well you can very easily make this kind of demon a recurring villain or an npc in the way that you can with other demons so i would say that yeah if only for the the role-playing scenes it would definitely be worth uh, being one of the like accidentally summon in this kind of demon situations yeah yeah but yeah it's it's good boy i like this demon quite a bit he's great yeah. he's so great i love him yeah. i love him and his his moobs and his and his cloven <laughs> feet and his dumb little wings i love his dumb little wings yeah Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is you may be listening to it. If you super duper love this episode, feel free to check us out on nerdsmith.org and maybe give us a subscription and some of that sweet, sweet money. Huh? Say nice things about <laughs> these boys everywhere on the mm. internet. Thank you. Please say nice things about us. We like We like to feel nice. Uh, but if you hated us and you don't want to be nice to us and you think we are, we smell bad and are, have a weird energy that you don't really like, uh, feel free to check out some other stuff on nerdsmith.org where you'll find people that I betcha, you know, will have an energy that is good for you and makes you feel good and makes them feel good that you feel good. And they probably smell good, too. Yeah, they probably smell much better than us. Uh, so feel free to check those guys out. 4D podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
in the meantime, Logan, what's our creature comfort for this episode? Also, thank you, Logan, for coming. Oh, yeah. Also, thank you, Logan, for coming. <laughs> do, do you, Logan, I... have anything you'd like to plug, perhaps? Uh... uh... If you're really into shitposty tweets that have a lot to do with Dungeons and Dragons, follow me at Mox Sakes Logan. Uh, I'm the I'm the I'm the biggest Cool Ranch Dorito you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can confirm. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Logan, for coming out. In the meantime, what is the creature comfort for this one? Uh, oh god, for creature comforts, you definitely sometimes you just need to know that it's appropriate to stay at home. Sometimes yeah. you need to learn how to delegate. And maybe not have to do all the legwork yourself and take some time just to have a have a bowl of mac and cheese or or or, or the limb of a screaming human. Yeah, yeah. Make yourself some food. Yeah. <laughs> Good treat yeah, cook bust out your chef hat. Make sure your... you take your U days. Then Alfeshni knows how to take a me day, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have a good day. Bye. Bye bye.